Today on Living Truth Radio, Pastor Michael Lance is in Genesis 49 with part three of his message, Jacob's Prophecy. Today, Jacob gives a prophecy to his son Judah, whose line will one day give birth to the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus. Nobody in the room wants to raise their hand to this one, but if you've ever had out-of-control anger, you know what a mess it can make. I'll make a confession. Some years ago, uh, when I was first starting to do, I used to do all my sermons handwritten. Can you believe it? Some of you guys still do this, but I would write out the scriptures right out of my Bible, right? And then computers came along. So I first started working on a computer, and we had a little office in a a former house where uh, Brenda and I lived, and um, Brenda was saying, okay, now when you're working on a document, you need to save your work as you're going, and I was like, I was like, why do you got to save it as you're going? I'll just save it when I'm done. She, she, famous words from your wife. Trust me, save your work as you're going. So I spent all day, I was preparing a, a talk on a couple of cults, and it was going to happen that evening, and I was, you know, hours and hours and hours of preparation, and I'm typing this thing up, buttoning up the last little bit of it, and all of a sudden, the power in the house went out. My computer screen went blank. And I began to yell down the hallway, Brenda, am I saved? Brenda, am I saved? And I heard back down the hallway, I hope so, you're a pastor. And I said, no, the document. Is the document saved? And she said, did you do what I told you to do and save it as you were working? And I went, no, I did not. You think it's still there? So anyway, the power came back on. I lost like three quarters of my work. So I went into the garage. Pastor Michael. Oh, I didn't just scream. I threw some things around. (laughs) The devil, I know the devil did Right? That was all my fault. I should have just saved my work, right? Yeah. It wasn't pretty. I'm glad there's no film film footage of it. All God's people said, yep. (laughs) All right. Now, we're not going to get through all of these prophecies, so... What I'm going to do is we're going to end with Judah. Judah will be addressed next, but I want you to keep in mind that even though this happened with Levi and anger was at the root of it, the Levitical line became really the priest that ministered to God and you know, did the sacrifices, a very prominent role. So it doesn't mean that if you've blown it in this way, God can't still use you and use you in a very holy calling. Verse 8. Judah, now Judah is addressed, and uh, we're down now to the fourth child from Leah. So, you know, Judah has to be thinking, man, this hasn't gone well for the first three. (laughs) You know, could you call somebody else up? Notice what happens. Judah, your brothers shall, what? They'll praise you. Judah's name, this is a play on word, words in Hebrew because Judah's name means praise. 
And so your brothers will praise you. You might say, well, I, I thought we're not supposed to praise men. We're supposed to praise God. Yeah, but in this sense, it's your brothers will bow down to you like they bow down to kings, like the, the brothers uh, bowed down to Joseph, Judah. Your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. You're gonna have a lot of victories. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Other Members here in the tribes, their offspring are going to bow down to Judah. All of a sudden, Judah comes up and he gets a blessing. You say, well, that must mean that Judah was a really good guy, right? Well, no, Judah had his moment. Judah uh, had his own blunder. He got Tamar, his daughter-in-law, pregnant. Do you remember this story? It wasn't that long ago that we dealt with this one. Um, husbands were dying off, uh, his sons were dying off, and so he was supposed to do the, what's called the Leverite Law, and um, he was losing sons quickly, so they didn't follow through with the youngest boy, and so what ended up happening is she, she stayed, you know, without offspring, and uh, she dressed as a prostitute, remember this story? And Judah saw her, and he was with her, and she got impregnated, and uh, he gave her a couple of tokens, remember? And then when he heard the news that his daughter-in-law was pregnant, he was going to have her killed. And then she, you know, before it happened, she says, uh, just, just check out and see who these belong to. And it was like, <laughs> and he said these words in the story. He said, she is more righteous than I. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I think in, in the differences of the, the sons, Judah took ownership of it. He owned it. Do you know that sin and its consequences can be a lot less grave if we'll just own things and get things right and, and, and admit things in the moment? It can be very hard for us to do. And so as Judah goes on and you follow Judah's life, his, his change in ownership of his sin began to manifest itself in ever-growing leadership. It was Judah who pleaded before Joseph, the viceroy of Egypt, before he knew it was Joseph, for Benjamin's life. In fact, it was Judah who said, I will take his spot, I will be his substitute, a foreshadowing of the gospel. Christ the righteous one died on our behalf. He became our substitute. And Judah began to take on this place and he began to show leadership and prominence. And from the line of Judah comes men like David, Solomon, Asa, Josiah, Uzziah, good kings. In fact, of, of, when you, le you read the Kings and Chronicles books, how many times do you come across a king and it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. But from the line of Judah, there were some good kings. At least they were better than the ones in the north. And they often tried to uh, rid the nation of idolatry and, and get things done the right way. The most prominent man that comes from Judah is David. Uh, David did subdue Israel's enemies. In fact, in 2 Samuel 22, verses 40 through 43, he's writing a psalm and he says, in verse 41, you have made my enemies to turn their backs to me. You gave me the necks of my enemies. That's 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-one in the New King James. And I destroyed those who hated me. 
Verse 43 of that same section, 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-three says, then I pulverized them as dust, the dust of the earth. I crushed and stamped them as the mire of the streets. Judah is a lion's whelp. Judah is like a lion. A lion is what? The king of the beasts, right? Except for the cowardly lion. He wasn't the king at all, right? He was afraid of everything. <laughs> I'm afraid of him. Anyway, we won't go there. But Judah is a lion's whelp. And from the prey, my son, dad, addressing prophetically in a predictive way, speaking to Judah as they're all gathered around dad and on his deathbed, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him up? And then this incredible prophecy in the book of Genesis. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Between his feet speaks of his offspring. Until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Now, in this incredible section where firstborns are losing their place of preeminence and then sons two and three come and they lose their spot, all of a sudden Judah, whose name means praise, is told that he's like a lion and his enemies are gonna be crushed and there's gonna be a scepter. Now, what's a scepter? A scepter is the implement of what? Of a king. In fact, I heard that where they still have kings, whether they're just a figurehead of a country or whatever, there's, in a lot of cases, they still have scepters and they lock the scepter away because the scepter actually becomes a symbolic uh, uh, implement of their own authority. The scepter is that which a king carries. Jesus will rule with a rod of iron, Psalm chapter two. Jesus is gonna rule and reign from Jerusalem and he, Jesus, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a song that we haven't sung for a while, but here's how it goes. Hail, hail to the lion of Judah. How powerful you are, right? And we, we sang it. Hail, hail to the lion. And C.S. Lewis wrote a whole story around a lion named Aslan, right? Aslan, I love it when he eats the witch. <laughs> Isn't it a great scene, right? So that, that white witch, what's her name again? I can't remember her name. Tricking kids with candy and all that stuff. Wicked. And finally, roar, he just, ah! <laughs> it's great. In the story, what does Aslan end up doing? He ends up, he has to undo what Edmund did. And so he, he ends up dying and then rising. It's a great kind of parallel to the story of the gospel with a lion as the main character. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, verse 10, nor the ruler's staff, just kind of the same idea of a scepter from between his feet, his offspring, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Now, if you go down through time and you look at kings that 
flow from Judah, David, Solomon, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Jotham, Hezekiah, Josiah, uh, many good kings coming. Uh, the NIV says, the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Here's the idea. Judah is supposed to steward the scepter until the actual king of kings comes. And he is king of kings and lord of lords. And Judah's going to hold the scepter. Jesus will be a type of the greater David where the tribes of Israel, north and south, will reunite again under the Messiah's leadership and the scepter will be handed to him, the rightful owner, and until Shiloh comes, until uh, the one comes to whom it belongs, and that's what scholars believe is probably the closest definition of Shiloh, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, New Living Translation has the idea, here it is, Shiloh, he's gonna arrive, the Messiah's coming and he's going to take the scepter and he's going to rule and reign forever and ever. Amen? He's going to be on his throne. Hail, hail to the Lion of Judah. But this lion is also depicted as a lamb. Because in Revelation 5, and I think we're familiar with the passage, but I want to take you there because I want to show you all the way to the last book of the Bible. This is what John sees. And John has seen an incredible scene as the seven churches are addressed in Revelation 2 and 3. He is taken up, he gets a glimpse of heaven in Revelation 4. Uh, praise is going on, these incredible creatures around the throne of God, they sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then it says this, who was and who is and who is to come. In chapter 5, verse 1, Revelation, John says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book uh, there weren't books in these days, so it would have been a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. This is the famous scroll with the seven seals that will be broken. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Revelation 5.2, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth, on the earth or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look into it. A universal search takes place. Notice it's in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, everywhere. The search uh, uh, progresses and no one is found worthy. John knows what this means because in ancient days, scrolls were very important. A seven-sealed scroll was found in one of the ancient libraries. I'm trying to remember which one. And uh, they actually have a, I've seen a picture of it. And the only one who could really break the seals on the scroll to unveil the document was the rightful owner uh, or an heir. 
And so they, they do this universal search and the document seems to represent the title deed to the earth. It's whether or not mankind can truly be redeemed, whether or not the, the earth can be purchased back. Yeah, noise in the background there. And John says, after the search uh, commences and no one is found, he says, I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. John is weeping like a baby. One of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, look, the lion that is from what? The tribe of Judah, the root of David, so you can see how it comes down from David's line, has overcome so as to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb. Now he's called a lion in verse five. Now he's a lamb standing as if slain. Having seven horns, horns speak of power here. Seven is the number of perfection. He has complete power. Seven eyes here probably speaks of his omniscience which are the seven spirits of God, I think, connecting to the work of the Holy Spirit, sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took it, that is the scroll, out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne or sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders who we saw in Revelation 4 fell down before the lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The, the saints have been praying for 2,000 years plus, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And they sang a new song and they said, worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for thou wast slain and did purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. They're gonna reign with him. And then, of course, this incredible choir. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. And I heard them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion for how long? Forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, hey, they say this in heaven too. Amen. Amen. And the elders fell, fell down and worshiped. Back to Genesis and we'll finish it. The prophecy of Judah uh, ends this particular section with what are pictures of prosperity under the rule of the lion. And I believe this picture is the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of Christ. Just pick it up. We'll do the last two verses and Shane, if you can get ready to come on up. It says, he, that is this one who comes, Shiloh, the rightful king, Genesis 49, 11, he ties his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. Now, <clears throat> I wouldn't normally tie a donkey to a vine. Vine's not very strong. I'd tie a donkey to a tree, maybe. I wouldn't even, talk, I wouldn't even tie my dog to a vine. But this vine has unusual strength. 
So he ties his foal to the vine, his donkey's colt, interesting to the choice of the vine. We're about to the choice vine. We're about to remember the triumphal entry of Christ. And he rides on a colt, the foal of a donkey, interestingly enough. And he comes, and they say, they're quoting from Psalm 118, the Hillel Psalms. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, send prosperity. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. This is not ushering in the millennial reign. This is about a time when I'm coming to die for the sins of the world. I'm coming to defeat your greatest enemy, sin and death. But in the millennial reign, when he comes the second time, he washes his garments in wine. It would seem here that wine is so numerous, wine in uh, Jewish culture, a sign of blessing. Wine is so abundant that you could wash your clothes in it. Doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense because we usually have Tide and detergent and stuff like that to get stuff like that out of the clothes. But it's a metaphor. It's, it's symbolic of there's so much prosperity happening that you could even wash your clothes in wine. I wouldn't try that if I were you, but anyway, that's what it says. He washes his garments in wine, symbols of prosperity, his robes in the blood of grapes. Uh, when Jesus did his first miracle in the book of John, he turned water into wine. He did it from what uh, was the, the basins for purifying and washing, and he did this incredible miracle, symbolic of uh, the, the Jews used to say, the rabbis used to say that when the Messiah comes, the wine will be abundant. And so this sign that was done by Jesus turning water into wine was to prove his Messiahship. And in Jewish circles, they would get the connection. When Messiah, when Shiloh comes, the wine will be so abundant that you could wash your clothes in it, and Jesus turns water into wine in abundance. And it's in essence, he's saying, I'm here. Will you recognize me? Second part of the verse, in verse 12 says, his eyes are dull from wine, and his teeth white from milk. Now, again, these are metaphors. Um, vines have become hitching posts. Wine has become wash water, says one scholar. Wine and milk are symbols of prosperity. Here's what Isaiah says. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. If you want to write this down, this is... My final verse for tonight, it's found in the book of Joel 3, 16 through 21. I'm gonna read it for us and it says this. The Lord roars from Zion, here's our lion, and he utters his voice from Jerusalem. This is last day's millennial reign stuff. And the heavens and the earth tremble, but the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will pass through it no more. And it will come about in that day, Joel 3.18, that the mountains will drip with sweet wine, the hills will flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water. And a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Shittim. 
Egypt will become a waste and Edom will become a desolate wilderness because of the violence done to the sons of Judah in whose land they shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever, Jerusalem for all generations. And I, says this lion of the tribe of Judah, I will avenge their blood, which I have not avenged. For the Lord dwells in Zion. This is the one who's coming. Shiloh, the rightful king, is coming. Have you heard? Do you not know? Have you not seen? The Bible says on many occasions, don't you know? Jesus is coming. That hasn't changed. God has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. Messiah is coming. We don't know the day or the hour. I think we'll have an idea of the season when it comes. But he's coming again. And he will set what's been wrong right again. And there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain. The curse will be no more. And abundance will flow. This is what's ahead for the Christians of the world. And that's why we preach the good news of the gospel. Would you like to discuss a lot of things that have come from the book of Genesis that we can take or perhaps have been highlighted for us? Well, you know, Oscar, when the book of Genesis was on my heart when we originally started teaching it uh, at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, what was on my heart is going back to the beginning. And sometimes I think when there's confusion in a society, in uh, even in the church culture, we mm-hmm. start wondering, you know, what are the foundations for what we believe, who we are, just from the big picture standpoint. Exactly. Um, what was on my heart, what was resonating was going back to the beginning, especially in light of the uh, attack on marriage and the attempt to redefine marriage, the attack on God, the attack on creation, mm-hmm. uh, and on and on it goes, Oscar. We're just watching more and more of it in the public square, in the university, and even in the church. And so I felt I felt very compelled to go back to the beginning. So what does the term or the name Genesis mean? What does it translate yeah, to? It, it does mean beginnings uh, or origins. And, mm-hmm. you know, we when we say... You know, the genesis of something, that's what we're talking about. We're talking Uh about the beginning of something. And so the book of Genesis is the beginning. It's the beginning of the Bible. It's the beginning of creation. Um, In the beginning, God created. It's from the very first verse of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's really, that was the heartbeat of teaching all 50 chapters of the book. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.